And welcome to the Producer Podcast. My name is Kevin Kistner. That is Ty Fuji sitting right in front of me. That's good. And, dude, it's good. It, it's one of my favorite times of the year. It's the free agent frenzy, man. Free agent frenzy. I love it. And along with the draft. But Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, this year the Broncos don't have many draft picks, so it's kind yeah, of... No. Yeah, this is the time. This is, it's, th- this is the exciting part. Last year and this year with the draft, it's kind of like, well, I can't get too excited because... I'm not focusing on third round picks. Yeah, like what what am I supposed to do with this? What are the what's the team supposed to do with this? <laughs> exactly. Five picks. I, I say trade them, but that's a conversation we'll have during the draft time. Yeah. But because it's free agent frenzy, it's a free agency period, and we're this is our second day into free agency. Yep. I thought maybe we can go back and let's look it back at some of the biggest free agents, the Broncos the best free agents, the Broncos have brought in and we're gonna we're gonna bring in the Super Bowl the Super Bowl teams. The teams that became Super Bowl contenders because of free agents. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and the reason it came to my mind is because this year I wasn't expecting the Broncos to really do this much that they've done after one day. They, but but it, it's certainly encouraging. It's encouraging. Yeah, dude. because the Walton Penners are putting the money where the mouth is. Like they like, they're fans. They want the team to be successful. Big signing bonuses, lowering the cap numbers. They're doing a lot of good stuff. Yeah, they know what they got. And, and they got they're Mc- flaunting it. They're, they went out and got Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. They got uh, Powers at left guard. You know, they, they spent money on a backup quarterback, which yeah, which conversation is, for a different day, but I don't know if they really needed to do that. It's just money their P's and Q's. Right. Like, it's a thing they had to do, but not, not a big thing. I mean, they got Zach Allen, yeah. who's a really, Zach really Allen, good player to dude. replace Draymond Jones. This kid is better than Draymond Jones. Oh yeah, like I saw JJ Watt singing his praises. Yeah, over on, over on yeah. The, the bird app. You want a fun stat, real quick, before we get into this? Uh, sure, hit he me. Twenty quarterback hits last year. Ooh. Draymond had ten. Ooh, that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be nice. Twenty quarterback hits. He was borderline ready for ten ten sacks. It felt it felt like, you know, you got to the quarterback. That, that's gonna be. You know what, that's going to be a huge boon, like huge for Baron Browning and, uh, and Nick Benito coming up. Yeah, like that, yeah. That's going to be a huge help. It's going to help them dramatically. But let's talk about the first Super Bowl winning team. And because Super Bowl 32 and 33, the teams were pretty much identical. Okay. There yeah. wasn't much turnover. But one of the biggest free agents that they signed was Neil Smith. Yeah. They they brought Neil Smith in for that 97-98 season when they won the first championship. Was killing it with the Chiefs. He was always destroying Elway. Yeah, he he was the he was the Robin to Derek Thomas's Batman. Exactly. And and he he reminded me of somebody else we'll bring up on the list. I think everyone already knows where I'm going with that. Oh yeah. But this is a a guy who John Elway took less money for. Don't forget about that in year yeah. 15. Elway was like I don't need the money right now. I need a championship, and we need a pass rusher. And I, I know this guy in the division has gotten me every single time. And they went out and got Neil Smith. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was huge. Like, after so many years of having their defense let them down, of not having a fully complete team, they finally got that guy. They finally got not not the, the premier pass rusher in the NFL, but the guy who could really – you bookend on the edge with Alfred Williams. Yeah, and and Alfred was another guy. Yeah, they brought in right before that, right before Neil and Alfred. Was, you know, he always wanted to be a Bronco. We always yeah. heard that awesome dear guy. 
and, uh, yeah. All-American at CU during the McCarthy years? Yeah. Color- I mean, pretty much a Colorado guy. <laughs> yeah. Mean, Colorado boy. Yeah, I mean, just a native. A, he was a Colorado guy from Texas. But when you really looked at those two pass rushers, they got after the quarterback. And Alfred, a lot yeah. of people don't realize this, in the Super Bowl against the Packers, he almost had the game-winning interception. Yeah. On third down, when Favre threw it, it went through Alfred's hands, and he almost had it. And I was like, wow. Could you imagine if he would have picked it off? A defensive lineman picking it off? Yeah, just picking it off, off to seal, seal the deal. That would have been perfect. And, like, and, like the, Just the the story of the team carrying John Elway into the, to, to the pinnacle. Exactly. After so many years of Elway just carrying the team, dragging yeah. it. Dragging a dead horse to the to the Super Bowl. It, it was it was magical for him, and they finally finally got it. But I'm looking at the stats right now from Neil Smith: eight and a half sacks that first year, eight and a half sacks. That's re- back then. That was really really yeah. good. Um, he had <laughs> in 1993, my birth year, at 15. That's how elite, elite this pass rusher was. He might be the most one of the most underrated pass rushers of all time. Yeah, seriously. But he he got to the quarterback. He brought that physical. Even though he only got eight and a half sacks, it was his run stopping ability. He was able to bring another element to that defense and bring that leadership as well. Yeah, I mean he he certainly brought a lot of a lot to the table, including a lot of passion, a lot of fire. Because I yeah I remember you know <laughs> funny thing what I remember him most for is his fight with uh, with that that Cowboys guard. In the in the Pro Bowl one yeah. that one year, yeah. just just fighting with uh, Gisek or something. I think he got thrown out of the Pro Bowl. Yeah, they, they both got thrown out. That's that's a fun story. If you haven't heard that one, you got to look it up and hear Neil talk about it. Yeah, because he he, he took the bait because that, because that was Gisek's job. But that was still just that was still well something. Well, as we continue to talk about the line of scrimmage, I want to go to the offensive side. But we all know. Going to the line of scrimmage, you have to win that battle. Yeah, I mean, we've heard Mark Schlereth talk about it. We've, I mean, those Bron- that that Bronco offensive line in Super Bowl Thirty Two was amazing. The defensive line was amazing, but there was another factor that really helped the Broncos that year, and it helped protect Terrell Davis, and that was Howard Griffith. Yeah, like he, this guy was like he he was uh, he was part of the expansion team and. Uh, between with Carolina, yeah, with Carolina, and uh, he had his choice between uh, Detroit blocking for Barry Sanders and blocking for TD. Like, oh no, he didn't get a choice. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I, like, and Shannon wanted him so bad, he didn't even let, let him leave the building. Like, he just That's said, such a fun story. He just said, Howard, we're not letting you leave here. We have your agent on the phone. You're going to be a Bronco. Yeah, yeah. The look on Shanahan's face. He's like, you're not leaving. We got you right here. Like yeah. it, 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 that was one of the most fun stories I've ever heard coming come in America's game. I, I love that. But Howard Griffith, dude, protected or yeah, run, blocked for Terrell Davis. Yep. The next year, Terrell goes for two thousand, and there was the talk. But Howard Griffith knew, man. I I really want to go block for Barry Sanders. I want to go block for Terrell. You know, and this is a, a fullback's dream. You know, yeah. I have two. I could have two chances. Um. Yeah. I, if he would have left Denver. Yeah. I mean, actually, funny thing. He had, like, no matter what, he could have blocked for for one or another two thousand yard rusher. Yeah. B- Barry got it in ninety seven. TD got it in uh, in ninety eight. Oh, is that it, true? Yeah. 
I didn't realize Barry had it in '97. I'm I'm pretty sure it was '97. Wow, I didn't I didn't even realize that. Now I'll, I'll have to I'll double check. We'll, but we'll, we'll fact check you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fact check. <laughs> like, but getting the opportunity to block for two Hall of Fame you know, running backs. Yeah, I mean How, Howard Griffith. Not only did he block really well for Terrell in those Super Bowl years. But the dude was a really good pass-catching fullback as well. And the Shanahan scheme, I'll give you a perfect example. West Coast offense. Remember the first game of the year with Andrew Beck when Russell Wilson hit him like three times on the opening drive? That's kind of how they used Howard Griffith to a degree. Yeah, Howard Griffith, you know, you'll remember in the AFC Championship game, John Elway has to, against the Steelers, he throws a little swing pass to him, but he's got to go backwards and catch it. You know, it, it, it's a plays like that, that what if Howard Griffith drops that pass? Do they get that first down? They probably don't. Do they win the game? Does the momentum of the game swing? Yeah, do they Do they get to Super Bowl 32? Exactly. Does Elway retire without a ring? Exactly. There's so many. He had so many big plays in that season, especially that playoff run, that a lot of people might not remember. I mean, and then don't forget when he had a block. Uh, who's the big guy from Pittsburgh? Um, oh, three uh, hundred pounder, uh, Levon Kirkland. Levon Kirkland. Yeah, you know, and you know, the first game of the year. You, you've heard the story in America's game. Kirkland knocks over Howard Griffith, Chris Collinsworth, or Phil. It was Collinsworth or Phil Sims. One, one of those guys. Yeah, one of those old oh, guys. Look at Howard Griffith. He don't want none of him. It's like okay, and he put that in the back of his head, and then. AFC Championship time, shipped game. Just put his helmet right into Kirkland. He put it right into him, and, and Kirkland's like, why are you guys chopping? Why are you 300 pounds, you know? <laughs> so I, that's one of my favorite stories as well. But Howard Griffith, dude, huge impact for oh, the yeah. Broncos. And I'm looking at uh, pro football reference right now. Yeah, Barry got it in 97. Wow. That is – that is I talk about an underrated 2,000-yard season that I don't think many people remember, at yeah. least here in, yeah, in, at least here. in Denver. Another player on that Super Bowl 32 team and 33 team, Ed McCaffrey. Yeah, fan favorite, Eddie McCaffrey. Who would have thought that the Broncos don't have a first-round wide receiver or I don't, I don't want to say elite wide receiver, but a top-five pass yeah. catcher in the game at like that time. High-end. And they're winning two Super Bowls with Rod Smith, undrafted free agent, and Ed McCaffrey was not drafted high. I believe he was like a seventh. Sixth, seventh round pick. Yeah, double I, double I check that for me. I, I I mean I because he was he was with the Giants and he was with the Niners before he came to Denver and and at Mike Shanahan he was a third rounder. Oh, okay, third rounder. I I saw some stats somewhere about a seventh round pick connected to Elway. Anyway, hmm. but dude, what kind of impact did he have on this team? The image I will always associate with McCaffrey. Is that uh, NFL film shot? That slow mo on TD's uh, nearly touchdown run, where he, he lays the wood on on. A, I think it was uh, Leroy Butler, yeah. and and he's just pointing it down in his face. He just um, points now, Grant, right that, at him. That would have been flagged nowadays, which sucks. But that that image that that tells you everything you need to know about McCaffrey. Point, the finger point, and and look, he still lives here in town. You know, got great kids. They're they're all over the game of football. Yeah, ones over in the Bay. Yeah, ones in the Bay. I mean, they're everywhere. I don't want to get too far into the kids, but but Ed McCaffrey, dude, a number two receiver on that Super Bowl winning team, plays opposite of Rod Smith. Yep. 
the dude was phenomenal. And what were what was I mean you you mentioned the block, but is there another favorite memory of of Ed that you can remember? Uh, I mean, I mean the the other thing that comes to mind is is not a happy memory. Oh, okay, it, yeah, it's, broken it's, leg. Yeah, it's the broken leg right before nine eleven. Yeah, yep, yep. That that, look, that that was tragic, man. But Ed McCaffrey again. This is a guy who fit the Shanahan offense. Mm-hmm. A guy who Shanahan brought from San Francisco. The dude never wore leg pads. <laughs> that, <laughs> think about that. He had. He, I don't know if he ever wore shoulder pads. It, it, it didn't look like it. Not really, no. He, he, he looked very slender. <laughs> yeah. He, he looked like a string being out there. But he made some huge catches, made some big blocks. He bought into the running game. And yeah, he, he, he was exactly the kind of guy that team he needed. He, was, he fit that team's identity to a T. Perfect wide receiver for that Super Bowl winning team. Another receiver who was another fit before the 2015 Broncos will move up to – a, a new era. Yep. Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I, I love that guy. Emmanuel Sanders signs with the Broncos in 2014, and it was a really, really small deal. Yeah. Because he he wasn't getting the 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 plays and the starts in Pittsburgh. Yeah, because they had Antonio Brown over there. They had Antonio Brown, who's breaking out. Yeah, breaking out before he lost his mind. And just yeah. Emerging as the best receiver in football for the next few years. Exactly. Him and Odell were one and two right there. And Emmanuel Sanders comes, and I'll never forget, I had a buddy of mine who's a, he was a big Steelers fan. And he's like, oh, good luck with that guy. All he does is fumble all the time. Can't catch on passes, can't hold on to the ball. I didn't see that here in Denver. Yeah, no. <laughs> Look, Emmanuel was, was lights out. He was spot on. I mean, on that Super Bowl 50 team, you could argue he was actually the best receiver the team had. He was the best receiver that year. Yeah. It, which is which is crazy to think about because he had Demarius. Yeah. But Demarius didn't perform very well in the playoffs. Yeah, no. And I think he had one catch in the Super Bowl. I think he was two catches, 22 yards in the playoffs, and one catch for eight yards in the Super Bowl, from what I can remember. Mm. But I'll never forget watching Emmanuel Sanders, uh, the, the years building up to that, and then even the years after, man, the dude was a phenomenal player, probably the most underrated receiver of the decade. Yeah. I mean, getting nearly 1,000 yards every year, scoring touchdowns. Mr. Reliable. My dad always said Mr. Reliable. Yeah. And I'll never forget my the one play that stood out. I don't know why, but it's during the playoff run. He, I think it's against the Patriots. I think it's a third, third and ten. Peyton rolls out to the right and just kind of throws one up. And I'm at the game like, who are you throwing to? And I just see Emmanuel Sanders jump up in front of this defender and catch it like on his side just of the it. chest, just grab it. It almost pops out. It's kind of like Shannon Sharp in that playoff game against the Steelers. Yeah. And it was kind of like one of those. And he comes down and gets out of bounds. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we might have this thing. That was kind of one of those moments where I'm like, Broncos are going to win this game because the ball is going to go our way. Catches are going to fall our way. Yeah. Thoughts on Emmanuel Sanders? He, he, like you said, he was always just the guy you could turn to, you could rely on, you could count on to make the play. Like it, it, Early in the Super Bowl 50 season, when the Broncos were struggling out of the gate, when they went down big to the Chiefs in Week 2, Emmanuel Sanders was the guy who really brought them back. He was the guy who, who Peyton could rely on to go in the middle of the field, to go do the dirty work. 
and get the right and get the get the passes, get the touchdowns. And, and Peyton loved him because Peyton Manning loved reliable receivers. Yeah. Why do you think Brandon Stokely was so great with the Colts? He was reliable. Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne's a really good receiver. Reliable. Marvin Harrison. I mean, Hall of Famer. Yeah, some of the best hands you'll ever see. Reliable. Demarius. Reliable. I know a lot of people want to hate on Demarius. DT was reliable. And I could tell you this yeah. real quick. I was told Demarius was Peyton Manning's favorite target to ever throw to. Really? That's what I heard. Yeah, that, that that's awfully special. That's an awfully special distinction. Yeah, how I, many guys he threw to, how initially many favorites he threw to. Initially, you would think Marvin or Reggie. Yeah. I mean, Marvin's got, got a 1,000. He's he's t- top three. But Demarius could do things no, none of those other receivers could do. You know, he was just yeah. different. He was he, built different. He was special. He was a special player and a special person. And there will be no De- Demarius Thomas slander. But you knew when, with Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl 50 year, I need my reliable guy. I mean, that dude, that's why they had Jacob Tammy for a while. Yeah. That, you know, they had Joel Drees yeah. and they had uh, Owen Daniels. Yeah. Reliable <laughs> guys, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I think my, my, uh, my a buddy of mine actually got an Owen Daniels jersey for that season. Just for that year. Yeah, just for the that year. The only one in the world. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think he still has it. I, I would keep it. Yeah, why not? He's Super Bowl champion. And, and another free agent. Yeah. He'll get an honorable mention. But Emmanuel Sanders, very, very valuable to that team, you know, especially in the locker room. Guys, he finally got his life figured out. Yeah. And and, and got everything in the right spots, but he was very reliable. Yeah, he, he was very important to a lot of the young guys, too. Like, that, that fight he had with Cortland Sutton was formative. For yeah, him. Like, yeah. What have you done? What have you done? You haven't done anything. Yeah. We got a few more minutes, but I want to keep going. Darian Stewart. I know a lot of people might be like, yeah. how did he make the list? He, he's he's underrated. Dude's, dude's the forgotten man in the no-fly zone. He was, yeah. And quite frankly, I, I kind of, you know, everyone kind of would throw Bradley Roby in there. And I would, too. He was yeah. part of the no-fly zone. Yeah. You got those five guys. But Darian Stewart had a bigger influence than people realize. That first game of the year, he had that game-winning interception against Joe Flacco and the Ravens. Yep. His former team. And I'll never forget Darian Stewart just Putting his he- helmet on balls, dude. Yeah. It, Knocking fumbles out. Super Bowl 50. He caused that one against, uh, I think mind. it was Tolbert. Yeah. Just, just came out. Of, just coming out I against think, a bowling ball. See if my memory's correct. But didn't he knock, didn't they, the Panthers fumble the play before that? And it, the guy was marked down. And then the next play, Stewart knocked it out again. I, I think I remember that. And, and I'm just sitting there like, I mean, no one talks about this guy. He put he would lay the wood like T.J. Ward would. I mean, this dude would. I mean, you, you, in in football, you kind of have a free safety and a strong safety. Yep. You had two strong safeties that year. Yeah, pretty much. And and he you would had just a, float back there. Yeah, you had a, a quintessential box safety like Spock strong safety, and then you had a, a strong safety that could actually move. That yeah, could, had range. I mean, this guy. I mean, I remember when we signed this guy, Darian Stewart. Was like, Oh, okay. Okay. And yeah, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, a, a former Bronco that used to work here on the station tells me, he goes, watch out for this guy. He, he said this in training camp. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, hopefully you j- just don't screw it up, you know. And I don't know yeah. who, what other free agents were on the market off the top of my head. 
It's like, don't screw it up. But no, dude, this dude made plays. This dude, it was he was Mr. Reliable of the secondary. I like that. He was the was he the Emmanuel Sanders of that secondary? Yeah, honestly, he was Mr. Reliable. He he would just do his job, and when he had to make a big play, he'd, he'd do it. Yeah, I mean, it, the dude was healthy all the time. Yeah. I wish he would have played longer with us here in yeah, Denver. But I think he, he hit the end of his career. What it, a, it was it was good the place and good time to end his career. And such a nice dude, <laughs> such a nice dude. He was quiet off the field. It felt like. But then on the other side of the safeties, T.J. Ward. The the big personality. T.J. Ward. This is a guy that signs with the Broncos. And, again, he signs with the Broncos in 2014, just like Emmanuel did. Mm-hmm. and Just like Darian Stewart. And, no, Stewart was 15. Was he? He came in last second. Oh, wow. Yeah. T.J. Ward. Didn't really know much about him at the time. I I had seen him name in rumors, covering when I was yeah at the beginning of the years when I was still covering the team here. Well, I'm still covering the team, but <laughs> you know <laughs> we're we're still covering the team here. It's, yeah, you know, you know what, what I mean. Mean. But to, I I remember sitting there, but he wasn't the top safety in free agency that year. I think it was like Malcolm Jenkins and uh, Darius Bird. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, Jarius Bird yeah, or something. Who was the Saints? And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, the Broncos missed out on, on Bird. And then they signed T.J. Ward. I'm like, well, wait a minute. And I, I then I realized, like, <clears throat> this dude is pretty good. Pro bowler, like, really good player with the Saints or with the with the Browns. They yeah, just the couldn't keep him. And I was yeah. like, huh. I, you start watching film on this dude. And the dude could lay the wood. Yeah, I, I I saw the hit he laid on Gronk that uh, yeah. unfortunately knocked Gronk out for a while. But yeah, I I saw that hit and I and I fell in love. Yeah, I was I, I fell in love. I love safeties that can go in the box. Yep. and just put the thump on a guy, huh. kind of like John Lynch, Cam Chancellor. That yeah. once I saw Cam Chancellor play, I was like, I want one of them. I want me a Steve Atwater, Cam Chancellor, John Lynch type guy. And T.J. Ward was that guy because he could do so many things. He was yeah. like a utility guy. And, and he, he's not just some thumper. He could actually cover, too. Oh, yeah. And this is a guy, part of the no-fly zone defense, and really put – I think he was a really valuable piece of the leadership and using his voice in that locker room. Yeah. Him and Tlaib. Him and Tlaib were the yeah. soul of the no-fly zone. Like they set the tone every single well, practice, every single time they went out on the field. Because Chris Harris's voice wasn't wasn't strong enough yet. Yeah, really, really good corner. And I was a big Chris Harris fan before everyone really jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah, I thought he was an elite corner before, and then he, you know he tried to trash talk, and it it's like okay, okay. it sounded like, sound like Chris Tucker. Yeah, we're not taking it serious yet. And you bring in T.J. Ward, and you're like, holy crap. And then man, he almost had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. But the trash talking, you couldn't have found more personalities in that locker room that would have fit better in that secondary. Yeah, absolutely. And another guy in that secondary tie was Aqib Tlaib. Another personality, an, another guy who just flat out was all over the field. Love to trash talk and just fit that 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 secondary room perfectly. Yeah, he I mean he he was he was the personality of of the, the no fly zone. Like he he and TJ Ward, they were they were 
A match made in heaven. I, I never, I'll never forget the day we we agreed to terms with him and so, we're signing him. Yeah. Because him and the next guy, Demarcus Ware on the list, um, they ended up being on the same flight to Denver. And they both looked at each other like, are you, are you, are you signing? They're like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, holy crap. And 2014 might have been the greatest free agent class ever. Ever. It, it was amazing. I mean, not just in Broncos history. This might be NFL history. Because, and we'll, we'll, we'll get back to, 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 to Aqib Tlaib here, but you got Emmanuel Sanders, Aqib Tlaib, TJ Ward, Demarcus Ware. That's four Pro Bowlers. That's yeah. four All Pros. Yeah. And two Hall of Famers. Like, yeah. Aqib Tlaib should be in the Hall of Fame. Ware's is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And Tlaib, dude, talk about elite corner play. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he, he was shut down. He could cut off an entire half of the field. Who, who, are, you throw, who are you throwing to on, yeah. on that side? Of the, uh, who are you throwing to? If you're, I mean, Aaron Rodgers in Super Bowl, in the 2015 season, he had nobody to throw to because yeah. Chris Harris and Salib shut down the outside. He had Bradley Roby in the slot shutting guys down or vice versa with him and Chris Harris. Yeah, you have TJ Ward You can't throw around. the top. You can't run the ball. What do you do? Yeah. Nothing. He he threw for like what seventy yards. Yeah, I think yeah, he, worst it was like ever? seventy-seven, but it was really fifty or it was something weird. Like it's a weird stat. But Akeem Talib, dude, in the Super Bowl, he would have got thrown out now. Yeah, throws that face mask on that guy. About took his head off at the goal line. Yeah, all in the name of trying to prevent a touchdown, which is that that my, hunger, that hey, drive that everyone needs. You know my thing. If you're gonna get penalty. Make, it worth Make it. the freaking penalty worth it. Yeah. You know, if you're going to get a face mask, get the freaking face mask. Yeah, Don't just touch off. it. Pull it, you know. And I, I, I thought Tlaib was, you know, he was a leader in the locker room. But the, he couldn't have been. He was he was a leader to a degree in the locker room because he, yeah. you will you will see in later years he stepped over his line. Yeah, like. The I mean, and while the crowd tree stuff was 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, actually, did you hear that he uh, he wanted to keep the chain so he could put it on his dog? Oh my gosh, <laughs> well, that would be funny. Yeah. Just take a selfie and put so, it yeah, on. The crowd tree stuff was fun, but the eye poke on Dwayne Allen was it? it that that he was, was way he was out a guy line. you loved him on your team but hated it if he wasn't with you. Yeah, and I think the dude the, look the dude was a great teammate. He was all he always had everyone's back. You know, yeah. he always had that defense back. You know, I mean, that when remember when Harry Douglas tried to take out Chris Harris's knee? Yeah. And you know, you re, everyone remembers what Talib said, when I'm gonna see him, I'm gonna beat his, you know what? And I love that because you're sticking up for your other teammate. You're sticking yes. up for one of your brothers and Talib was a great great teammate. The leader of the defense though. Yeah, the, the only captain one, of the defense. Ty, take been. it away. The only one it could have been was DeMarcus Ware. And I'll, and I'll tell you, like the Broncos defense, that no fly zone, it was special. It had a lot of special players on there. It had Von Miller, but he he wasn't a leader. He was he was just the best guy on the team. No. They had to keep Tlaib. Granted, he could be a leader, but he's he didn't have that that presence. He wasn't the right kind of guy. Right. He was a lead by example type. The only guy it could have possibly been on that side of the ball, and really for the entire team, was Demarcus Ware. He was the guy. He he was the guy who got. Vaughn's head on straight. He was the guy who reined in everyone in the locker room. He was the guy who stole the Lombardi right before the game and said, they're trying to take this from us. Yeah. 
Yeah, iron sharpens iron. That was yep. it. Was the whole speech. The Broncos don't win the Super Bowl without Demarcus Ware. Uh, in fact, none of these yeah. Broncos teams win Super Bowls without any of these guys on this yes. this ten person list. And Demarcus Ware, you get a lot of people might not remember this. The Broncos almost had Jared Allen. Yeah, and Jared Allen oh, yeah. ended up signing with Carolina, but the Broncos were talking to Jared Allen, negotiating with Jared Allen. Cowboys couldn't afford Marcus Ware and had to move on. And the Broncos said, hey, Jared, uh, hold on. Don't sign that contract yet. Hey, Jared, uh, sorry. Um, Vonnie's favorite player ever just yeah. got on the market. We're they took him. the same contract and gave it to Demarcus Ware, I think three years, $30 million, $10 million a year. Yep. And he signed that. And the first, my, you're going to laugh at this, my first thought was, Broncos are going to be so good on Madden this year <laughs> because they had everyone, they had good peace. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to be so good on Madden. It's like a Madden Ultimate team. Yeah. It, that's what game. it was. You would want to do a fantasy draft. You're like, well, that, I can't argue with this. Yeah. I don't have no holes on my team. But DeMarcus Ware, such a fantastic leader. He fixed Von Miller and finally got Von Miller's head on straight after his crap. Yeah, and after he, DUIs and he, other stuff, stuff, court, court and, dates. And he still got stuff. But, you know, DeMarcus Ware was a leader in that locker room. He was the captain of that defense. He held yeah. those guys accountable because Aqib Tlaib knew, hey, I can't cross this line because DeMarcus is there. And DeMarcus was a guy who helped everyone. He helped the offensive line guys out. Hey, guys, on this pass rush, you know, on this move, we're going to do this. This is what this guy's doing. Hey, I yeah. went up against this tackle, guys. Yeah, he it, helped it, it was important to have that guy on that side of the ball because before it was just Peyton Manning in charge of the whole thing, in charge of the whole squad. But now the defense had their guy. They had, had their sage. He had their guy. I thought he was going to be a ring of famer, but he only played three years. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. the requirement. But then you look at his stats, and the stats aren't ring of fame worthy. But the impact is ring of fame worthy. And, Absolutely. And I, I just I can't believe he was another Peyton Manning on the other side of the of the field, and I love that. Yeah, it, it, just seeing a guy like Demarcus Ware, seeing him finally get a ring, and especially not with the Cowboys, that was that was just as as gratifying, just as as special as seeing Peyton get his ring. And that leads us to the number one free agent, not only in Broncos history. I think in NFL history, I saw some lists say Drew Brees, and I I guess I can, I, I can, I can get see that, that just because of long term. It's the same him signing. It's yeah, the same thing. Yeah, but Peyton Manning. Do we even need to talk about this guy? We can make it quick. We Peyton Manning, quick. in my opinion, greatest quarterback ever. Yeah, but the impact this dude had in not only the Broncos but the city of Denver, dude. I'll tell you this. Ratings and money here at the radio station flew through the roof because of this man. I I, I kid you not. I, the the money we were making here in, in in advertising at the station, the the way the ratings quadrupled here at the station when Peyton Manning was here. You never thought the Broncos were ever going to lose a game. You were always confident. I mean, obviously, that first year, he didn't know what he was going to do with his neck injury. Yeah. But then he goes out the next year and has the greatest single season ever from a quarterback. That uh, Records records that still haven't been broken in a passing league with 
17 games now. With no one's even come close. Yeah. Peyton Manning, you don't win a Super Bowl without this guy. I know people say, well, Brock Osweiler would have won the Super Bowl too. No. No. Trust me. The the Broncos don't get past the Steelers. I've talked to players from that team. Players have come out and said it. They needed that guy back for the playoffs. Yes. And they needed the captain to rest to get his injury fixed. And he, I know a lot of people say he got booed off the field in Kansas City. I don't know if he w- did. I wasn't there. That was the one Peyton Manning game I didn't go to while he was here in Denver. Hmm. I'm kind of glad because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to see my, my dude oh, oh, go well, down well, like that's that. That's why you didn't go. But he was, what, so, so uh, that's, why, that's why he uh, he didn't perform all that yeah, day. Yeah, he didn't want to play because I wasn't yeah. there, right? Yeah, you, you weren't there. His <laughs> muse wasn't present. He, he was hurt the week before against the Colts. Had that plantar fasciitis. No one talked about it until after the Kansas City game. Yeah. So he had been hurt for a week before. But he finally comes back, brings the momentum. And, he, dude, he knew that, that Chargers game week 17. Brock Osweiler's not looking good. The offense isn't going well. It's not gelling. The, the time has been up for Brock Osweiler in the offense. Yeah. The struggling offense was not there. But go look at his playoff stats. His playoff stats were actually pretty decent that year. I know a lot of people want to criticize. Well, oh, he had the worst year ever. He's played pretty dang good in the playoffs. Yeah, and he outplayed Tom Brady. He had two touchdowns in that in that AFC Championship game against Brady and the Patriots. Yeah, he outplayed these guys. And Peyton Manning did just enough. And come Super Bowl Fifty time, Peyton Manning didn't use he. It's like a Disney story. He it came down. I have nothing left in my body. But Peyton Manning used his brain and had a chess match with Luke Keekley. That's what yes. it came down to. Yes. No other quarterback wins that Super Bowl for the Broncos if it's not other than Peyton Manning. Yep. Oh, you you said it. I mean, that's <laughs> you hit it right in the head. And the Broncos, like Peyton Manning means so much to this team. Him and he meant in so much to this organization in the post LA years. Like they're still trying to find the solution. They they're trying so desperately. Like, like and, and and it's just a shame in the state they're in at the moment. It's it, with so much uncertainty. I just sit there and real and think. Me and my dad and my brother always talked. You know, we're gonna have Peyton Manning. I mean, about five years, and we we ended up having him for four. Yeah, but I remember to us three talking, and I told my buddy at the time. I said, or he's like my best friend. I said, take this all in while you can, because yeah. it could be twenty years before the Broncos ever get back to another title. And it's been how long now? Yeah, it, it it's been. He was only here for four years, and it feels like like twenty. Like I I have so many yeah. great memories of Peyton Manning. I still have that that jersey my brother gave me for Christmas. Yeah, I I still. Remember the hype, if, like seeing my brother jumping and screaming and uh, and upsetting the neighbors. Yep, it was, it was dude. It was it, it was yeah. Like it was a it, magical time, and I don't I don't think he had the big the big, I think I'm going to be selfish here. No one had a bigger impact. He had the biggest impact on me than anyone in this city. I'm the biggest Peyton Manning fan. Grew up the biggest Peyton Manning fan. Had Madden 06, I had him on the Broncos, him and Stokely at the time. Like, it was insane, dude. So when he signed here, I I lost my mind. I was on air at my college radio station. I remember the day here with Mike Evans and Joel Klatt. 
I remember years and years of Peyton Manning, and I was so focused on that. All I cared about was him getting the Super Bowl here in Denver. And I've had the chance to talk to him three different times now and hang out at the CMAs with them at an after party. So on that note, I got go, I got a show to, to go produce with Peyton Manning's best friend. So <laughs> yeah. that's the top 10 free agents of the Broncos Super Bowl cha- champion teams. Yep. Ty, anything else before we send it off? And just a few honorable mentions. Okay, real quick. John Lynch, super hard-hitting safety. Didn't get a ring with the Broncos, but the man deserves it. And he's killing it over in San Francisco. Absolutely. Oh, Brian Dawkins, another thumper of safety. Yep. Weapon X. Didn't get a ring, but he was seminal for a lot of the yep. a lot of the younger guys coming up who would be on that Super Bowl 50 team. Yeah. And, of course... Just going way, 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 way back like to the to the sixties, seventies, the infancy of the Broncos, Lionel Taylor. Ooh, Sam, Lionel one Taylor. of Sandy Clough's favorite players. Yeah. yeah, still the fourth leading receiver in Broncos history. Even yeah, like all even all the way back. Yeah, like, like special well, guy. Spe- okay, special little stuff. Okay, well that is going to do it for this episode of the Producer Podcast. And we went a little long. We might sound different. Yeah. We had to get switch studios because. Uh, the one and only Mark Schlereth. But, hey, we'll be back. New episode coming out Thursday. I don't know who's on it. I made the schedule, but I don't know who's on it. I got to look at it. Yeah. We'll find out. Stay tuned. Won't be as good as this one. Yeah. (laughs) This is the (laughs) producer podcast on denversports.com. Thanks for listening, everybody.